0: All right, what's going on welcome to canal and bell on this monday morning a ton a ton of stuff to get to get to i mean monster show i had a
1: terrible weekend oh no a te- i mean just everything that i called
0: oh everything predictions? was awful i thought even like personal no, I,
1: I had a blast every- <laughs> it was great football with the kids like yeah. parents house yesterday but everything that i thought would come to fruition this weekend I missed. I'm with you. I thought it was
0: awful. Uh, my picks myself were awful. My account right now, which I have set <laughs> up is like $37.26. Yeah. That I have w- a couple games tonight. I'm going to like parlay and try to take some long shot. Otherwise, I'm going to have to reload my account, which I ne- never, never want to do this early in the right. season, but I think I have a bad feeling I'm going to be able to, uh, have to get there. Um, we have Emmett Smith, Hall of Famer running back of the Dallas Cow- Cowboys going to join us in about three minutes. Okay. We'll get to him, a bunch of different stuff. Curious to see what he thinks about Dak Prescott's performance, Ezekiel Elliott's new deal, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, later in the show, we're going to break down the entire weekend action. But quickly, let's get to Antonio Brown. It, it's been one of the most crazy stories we've seen I thought he was crazy. I thought he was an idiot. I thought he was dumb. And now I'm looking at it saying, man, maybe he's the genius and I'm the idiot because he got what he wanted, apparently, which was to go to the New England Patriots. I don't even know what to say. (laughs) (laughs) Right?
1: I I mean, it's it's, nuts. It's either one or the other, right? He's either a genius or he's the dumbest dude I've ever seen, right? Like, there's no middle ground for this. And I don't know. I don't know what's up because, I mean— Ultimately, you're making nine versus thirty. I know there's six in in in, in incentives, but still, that's but still half. Yeah, and who knows what those incentives are? Whether they're even like you know fifty percent attainable or not. Um, this is just a mess. What I do know is there was only really one team when he asked for the release from the Raiders that was going to be able to risk bringing him in or. Bring him in and expect him to to conform to what they're trying to do. Anywhere else, it was a huge roll of the dice. Just like Oakland was taking him, and I would have, if I were a GM, I would have stayed away. You can afford. You have the culture in place. You've the championships are in place. The cachet with the head coach, the quarterback, to be able to absorb Antonio Brown. And if it doesn't work out, you just kick him to the curb. There was only one place he could go. So, it begged the question for me had they worked that out already? Right. Was that worked out? And I don't mean just from ABI, want no. to go to New England. Right. Have those conversations taken place already?
0: Because then it's this whole bigger issue that the NFL is going to have to be concerned about. Because if you and we are in an era of player empowerment, right? Yeah. Guys in the NBA have done it. Now we're seeing it in the NFL where guys are able to force trades. Um, they're forcing contract extensions like Ezekiel before they're supposed to, before they've ever seen before. But if you see players hijacking their teams because they just want to be released you're in uncharted territory but if you're a player sitting there and you're unhappy in a place why not now guaranteed money is a very real thing like yeah. 15 million dollars 21 or but 15 whatever way you look at it that is a massive risk than
1: Antonio that, again that all supports like me wondering whether or not he knew or his agent knew that there was a bird in the hand somewhere else and how big that bird was right because that's a lot of money to <laughs> yes. just walk away from
0: Yes, it is. All right, let's bring in Emmett Smith, Hall of Famer, uh, to the show. Uh is gonna join us right now. What's up, Emmett? How are you doing today, man? Thanks for joining us.
2: I'm I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing? I hear the story going on over here about Antonio Brown and everything. So just listen at you guys chat. Y'all got some very good views.
0: I uh, appreciate that. Well, I'm curious of your reaction. I want to get to a lot of Cowboys stuff. Obviously, we're gonna hit on that, but since we were just discussing A B. What is your take on what has unfolded over the last couple months with him ending up on the New England Patriots? It's crazy.
2: It's been a saga, to be honest with you. And so, like I told someone earlier, that uh, sometimes as players, uh, we, I don't know the whole situation, what went down in Pittsburgh. I just know it wasn't a good situation. It turned out not to be good. Then to go to Oakland, and it turned out, out not to be as good uh at some point i think players need to start to look at themselves and ask themselves what are they doing to contribute to the problem are 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 they really uh uh, what's the initiative what's the mission what's the what's what's the drive Uh, and am i really part of it everything cannot be about every organization uh, there has to be something there, uh, that, that you, some baggage that you're bringing to the table that's not good as itself. So, uh, but if he's happy in, 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 in uh, Boston, great. Um, and so, uh, um, go do it. Go do your thing. And, uh, maybe Belichick and, and Brady is, is the group that, that can actually get him happy.
1: Yeah, that's that's interesting. At some point, you do have to look in the mirror and, and, and take accountability for, for what's going on. Uh, a team that has done that has been the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they looked in the mirror. They realized they got this opportunity uh, uh, of time to get this championship run in place. Um, they've locked up some players. What was your reaction to their week one blowout of the Giants?
2: Well, well. I was very happy to see them win. I didn't expect a blowout, uh, uh, as you termed it. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm happy that the Cowboys were able to uh, get Zeke in, number one, and get him in and get him some reps this week. But also, I'm very pleased to see how the offense is starting to grow, how we're starting to throw the ball down the field uh, with Gallup as well as Amari Cooper. And so having all of the pieces in place right now and all of the distractions off the table, you can purely focus on uh, what the team needs to do to get better every week and every and, and, and improve your offense. I think Kellen uh, uh, had uh, a great game plan yesterday, and I think this week he's going to expand that game plan. Now that he knows that Zeke is here for a whole week, we got a chance to incorporate him in into in, into our thinking. And uh, and that's and that's a beautiful thing. I think Dak Prescott had a great game yesterday. Looked awesome, and the overall offense looked good. So the question becomes: Can we build upon that momentum this week against the Washington Redskins? And so can we continue this up? Uh, so it's a long season, but yesterday was a good start.
0: Emmett Smith joining us on behalf of Marriott Bonvoy. We'll get to that in just a couple minutes. But I do want to follow up on the Cowboys. When Zeke was holding out, he's in Cabo working out. Jerry and him are having this back and forth, playing it out over the media. Really, Zeke's agent was the one on their behalf, but Jerry was, you know, very vocal about it. Kind of, you're getting an insight on the strategic position they were taking. What was in your mind? Was there ever any doubt that this would get done before the season started?
2: There was no doubt. Uh, the question was whether or not it would get done before the season gets started. Uh, and I think, I think Jerry, you can look at it two ways. I see Jerry learned something from when I missed my first two games. And that experience in itself is playing in the back of his mind. And not only that, but I thought also look at it from the perspective of you have – your team is intact. You have the best team that you have assembled in almost 20 years, and this guy is a key component to your team. Do you really want to mess up the chemistry right now when you have all of this stuff and all of your ducks in a row and all your dollars on the table? Do you really want to mess up the gumbo right now? Do you want to take salt out of this? Do you want to take the stew out of this gumbo? Or do you want to just leave the gumbo and put some extra meat in there and make this thing right? I think Jerry made the right decision. Bringing Zeke in right now, getting this season started off on the right foot, taking the distractions off the table, having everybody feel good and positive about where we have a chance to go, and then allowing it to play itself out. I I thought he did a great job.
0: What was it like for you? What was it like for you as a player when you're holding out, you're in that position, and you know what you want to get to this end game, and yet you're not with your guys, you're not with your team. What is it like individually from that standpoint?
2: Well, when you're not on on the team um, um, and I wasn't holding out, when you want a job and someone don't want to give you a job for what you're worth, then it's very difficult. But when you sit there watching your teammates go to battle without you, uh, that, that that's really not a good feeling, especially when you know that you're supposed to be on that football field with them and you earn the right to be on the football field with them, but somebody's not valuing you – uh, accordingly uh, based off of the productivity that you have produced over the last two or three years. And so it's very disappointing knowing that I'm sitting on the sideline watching my team go to battle without me, knowing that I can help them and knowing that I want to be on that football field and having an owner play that against you. Uh, that, that's not a good feeling at all. Uh, but when you get all of the business and everything else resolved, then you feel better. You feel good about joining the team. You feel good about being there. You feel good about where your team has uh, have the opportunity to go, and and that part is rewarding at the end of the day.
1: Emmett, you talked about um, Dak Prescott yesterday and how he looked, uh, allowing you know they were allowing him to push the ball down the field a little bit more. It looks like he's taken another step in his evolution as a quarterback. Um, his deal is is coming up, and Jerry's talked about the deal possibly being imminent. Uh, do you think they should reset the quarterback market with Dak or what are your feelings on 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 what Dak is worth and what he's worth to the Cowboys?
2: Well, obviously Dak is Dak is worth a lot to the Dallas Cowboys. He means a lot to the Dallas Cowboys and he's performing like that uh and he performed like that yesterday. So the question becomes um do you have to do something right now? No, I don't think you have to do anything right now. You, you still have an opportunity for uh, you got more games, and Dak has more games to, in my opinion, to continue to make that uh, make that case for himself. And, uh, and why not allow the process to take place right now instead of dealing with all the other distractions? Everybody want to create these distractions so they can say the one, I'm the one, or I'm the organization that broke this news. Uh, at the end of the day, Jerry doesn't have to make a move. Dak doesn't have to pay attention to all of the the the. Ray that's off the football field. Dak needs to stay focused on what he's doing as the quarterback, and that team needs to stay focused on what the mission really is, and that is to get to the playoff and do well in the playoff and hopefully get to the Super Bowl. If that takes place, even before you even get to the playoff, Dak can see a new contract before this season is over with. I'm looking for consistency out of that position and growth out of that position as a as a player sitting back, watching him grow and grow through grow, go through these different stages and, and, and performing at a consistent basis over the next six to eight weeks. Then I will make my decision in terms of what what he's worth to the Dallas Cowboys. And I will make sure that it, uh, if that consistency is there, he get the contract that he deserves.
0: Yeah, he got off to an outstanding start to the season. I thought he looked more comfortable than I've ever seen him, more accurate in the pocket than he's in his any time as a Cowboy. So, uh if he continues that, he's absolutely going to get paid. Emmett, tell us what you have going on with Marriott Bonvoy.
2: Well, Marriott Bonvoy, I'm doing a combine masterclass with Marriott Bonvoy. Uh, The members of Marriott Marriott, uh, get to bid their points to come to the masterclass. I'm hosting the masterclass up in Chicago, October the 17th. uh, And the person who bid the most points, I will see you in Chicago, take you through the combine. Danny, you know about the combine, what you have to go through the combine. You know, the one, the leg test, the 40, the weightlifting and all those kind of things. I'm there to give you some tips and some hints on what you can do to run. Run a better forty to lift a little bit more weight here and there, and and so and educate you all around the game itself—the cover twos, the cover threes, the blisses here and there. That's what I'm there for. I'm there as a as an assistant to help coach you along and cheer you along the way. Also, uh, this is for everybody. Courtyard Super Bowl sleepover contest. That sleepover contest is going to be to the person who wins it get an opportunity to stay in the Super Bowl host. Stadium and in a suite that's going to be transformed by courtyard to a suite, big old suite for you and three of your friends. How awesome is that? Get to sleep over on Saturday night and wake up on Sunday, have breakfast, and you never know who might come through and visit you. It could be myself. It could be, uh, John Randall. It can be Jared Rice. It can possibly be anybody from the National Football League coming through to visit you and say, yo, welcome to the Super Bowl. Enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday.
0: I love it. Awesome stuff there, Emmett. You're the best, man. Appreciate the time.
2: Thank you, guys. Go All Gators. Right. <laughs> he had to take
0: that last <laughs> shot. The Go Gators <laughs> call right there to the Seminole. Emmett's a great, great dude, man. He's one of my favorite guys to talk about. And just a normal guy. Like yeah. never, no Hall of Fame, no error about him. Just yep. one really good dude. And of course, you got to throw that shot at the very end <laughs> uh, at the Seminole. Um, Antonio Brown. So we, we kind of touched on it just a little bit. The thing that I thought. What's interesting is... If he did orchestrate this, which it is, it appears to be that he did. So does that put to bed any sort of mental issues? Cause I saw that and that drove me nuts. Like people were saying, Oh, does Antonio Brown maybe have CTE? And I, that drives me nuts. Cause I think people want to infuse that narrative into a lot of conversations when it comes with football players. Andrew Luck, when he retired, right. people are, Oh, it's CTE. No, he said he was mentally exhausted. He didn't say he was worried about having any issues down the road. Um, it's, it's just every player is unique and it's such an unknown. Um, so I I look at this one. I'm like, all right, I always thought he wasn't very smart. It was just a dumb and he was just a selfish, egotistical player. Does that erase any concerns? Cause I do think he sabotaged the system with the Raiders, yep. but it doesn't. Like, it doesn't just erase everything he did in Pittsburgh. Like, in Pittsburgh, he did Facebook Live from the locker oh. room. In Pittsburgh, he didn't miss a walkthrough, or he missed a walkthrough and wanted to play. This doesn't just give him a free pass. I still think this is a risk that the Patriots are taking.
1: No, there's no question. He is who, he sh- who he's showed you the last, I don't know, however many years. I mean, he is, you know, Antonio Brown first. Um, He, he wants to do things his way. He is really not interested, apparently, in... In being uh, a part of the team, in the sense of of buying into what the rules are and what everyone else uh, has to do, he wants to do it his way, and so none of that changes just because he, you know, he's out of out of Oakland. He he is going to be the same guy with the Patriots. The question is, you can be that guy, and you can wind up going to a place that is so buttoned up, and there's so much mystique behind it, and you've got. Very few other opportunities that it forces you to get in line and at least for the year be the best version of yourself, right? Yep. The Patriots have had experience bringing in guys, maybe not like Antonio Brown or, or not Antonio Brown himself, but guys who other places there there may have had they may have had issues uh, and there were some thoughts about who they were as a teammate. They usually get the best version out of them, the Patriots. That is. I imagine that Antonio Brown is in a spot now um, where he's burned enough bridges, yeah. and even if it's with, if it's in his DNA to be a butthead and fight the system, I don't know that he can afford to do it anymore. Like financially, and for you know, just his his brand can't take another hit like that. He's got to be the best version of himself in New England. Otherwise, New England is one of those places that's not going to put up and dance around like Oakland did. They're going to just ch- cut bait. They're out. Yeah. Like Oakland, they botched that. You knew what you were getting. You didn't put the hammer down early. You kind of let him get away with some things. The helmet issue. New England's not putting up with it. They're going to get rid of it.
0: I thought, because I was in Texas, I was at a sports bar, and um, we were watching the games, like all the games unfolding, and all of a sudden like somebody came up to me. I didn't find it on social media. They're like, oh, AB's going to the Patriots, right? and i thought cuz that was kind of a joke like oh the patriots always take the team the, the player on the trash heap they get him for cheap but i was like there's no way they're going to take antonio brown they they won't take this headache and this guy was like no i'm serious i'm like wait a second so i went no. online and checked it and i'm like this seems like an awful fit and yet if antonio brown does fall in line like Randy Moss. Randy Moss is the perfect example. If he does what Randy Moss did, he will have a record-setting year with Tom Brady and the Patriots. They will be back in the Super Bowl. But I don't know. Randy Moss I felt better about at that point in his career, way right. better about than where I am with Antonio Brown because I don't think this was just, oh, he sabotaged the, the Raiders. I thought he sabotaged the last couple years with the Steelers. And where is he? If he buys in, the sky's the limit, but I just don't know if I'm there yet. I thought a great sign was that Tom Brady, according to Al Michaels, who talked to Robert Kraft, said, you know, Brady was kept texting him saying, I'm 100% in. I'm 1,000%. I'm 1,000,000% in. Right. Like, uh, if, yeah, until you prove it that's just right but he also I thought it was a good start that he's saying because Derek Carr had him over to his house yeah. Tom Brady said you can live with me until you find a place Oh, that's that's so, the type yeah, that's but my that. question for Tom like are you going to be willing with his whole social media team yeah. to move in with you as well like that's is crazy. he bringing all those people Right. but maybe if Tom Brady does have him says no it's you and we're just going to work that could be the best scenario it, for Antonio it could
1: Brown. be great I mean this could be you know for AB it could be a rehabbing of sorts of his of his image and and to some degree his career um, if
0: you were Bill Belichick. I, if I was Bill Belichick I would say one of the stipulations I would have with Drew Rosenhaus, obviously leaving out the carrot of money incentives that you can make is huge but I would also have said you know what stay off social media for five oh, months yes. five months that's all I'm asking of you don't Tweet, don't Instagram, nothing. There would. Have, I don't. I don't think Antonio
1: Brown would give into that, though. I think he would be like, "No, I'm not. I'm not giving that up." There would be stipulations that would have <laughs> to be met. From I don't know what, what, how much time or or what social media platforms you would want him to stay off of, but there would have to be real conversations about. Listen, this our expectations are: if you do that, it's over. If you if you don't do this, it's over. Like that has to be clear language, and it has to be expressed not only to Drew but face to face with Antonio. This takes me back to the conversation we had Friday about his talent and the Raiders doing everything they could do to get him back on the field. Um, He's it. it, People don't love to hear this because Antonio Brown, and I I said it, I don't support anything Antonio Brown's done. He's been a train wreck. This has been a bad look for, for, for football players, for, for any number of of people who, whose boxes uh, he represents. It's been a terrible look, Um, but he is so talented that you'll see the team. That is the gold standard in the NFL. Yep. Still, still take a swing at him and pay him a bunch of money. Like That's how good he is, and that's how much talent can outweigh at times the risk. Now, if you have to get rid of him, you get rid of him. But I, I, I always laugh at people who are surprised and are talking junk about, bro, talent don't just walk through your door like that. Right. Good guys do. Dudes who can catch over 100 <laughs> balls in 18 touchdowns don't. People are going to take swings at that.
0: You know what I'm doing? If I'm Brady, if I'm Belichick, if I'm any one of his teammates, I'm wanding him before he comes in. You know the (laughs) wand you got? I want to make sure he's not mic'd up. He doesn't have a hidden camera. Because I don't want to be having that conversation that was just put out there. Right. Like, if you're John Gruden, you look like an absolute fool right now, and you have been burned by this player. How do you know if you're a Patriot, anybody on that team is not going to do the same thing to you? Well, to your point, listen, your
1: your, your camera crew, which appears to be, like, (laughs) I guess they just live with him. Right. right? Because they're there all the time. Um. They're not allowed in our – they're not allowed on our – Absolutely our building. not. There's no – they're not going to have access to any of our meetings. They're not going to be sidelined in any of our games. This is going to be an Antonio Brown experiment, not an Antonio Brown team and whoever comes with you experiment. This is you and the New England Patriots. Leave everything else at home.
0: Yep, we'll see. Uh, we'll keep you updated on that because it is going to be a story that does not go away. And clearly the Patriots looked awesome last night without them. Imagine what they're going to be with them. All right, welcome back to Kennell and Bell – there aren't many times that I get to say it. I don't even know if I want to say this at this point because it's oh, you way want to too say it. early. I want to say it. But say it. you know our look conversation right that we had. It. Browns fans, it's been... No, I want to look at this oh, one. That one. Browns fans has been awful quiet this Monday. Haven't heard quite as much chirping as I heard the last time we talked about the Browns when I told you this team could be a disaster in the making. They have all the talent in the world but they are immature, inexperienced at several positions. Freddie Kitchens appears over his head. Baker Mayfield only has one year under his belt. And Odell Beckham Jr. still hasn't proven to me that he could be a good team player in the greatest team sport there is across the landscape. And I don't want to say – yeah, because I, I, I want this team to be good. I think they're good for the NFL, but, man, did they lay an egg against Tennessee Titans. Uh, it was not pretty. No. Uh, I'm not
1: going to panic, though. Um,
0: and I don't want that's why I, I don't want to say I told you so because I think there's a very good chance we could be here in six weeks and you'd be like, you looked like an idiot. Yeah, like, yeah I, 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 don't I don't want
1: – I don't know that, that that would be the case either. There is a chance. I, but I'm just not going to panic. They're clearly, that was a train wreck yesterday. Um, the 18 penalties um, – the the, you they know they were getting the, ejected the the for kicking ejected the offensive like, line. Yeah, the discipline wasn't there, and that is concerning from from a team standpoint. Whether you know you've done uh, your job in making sure that you got all of those things buttoned up from a coaching perspective, I felt like their offensive woes, or at least Baker's, um, on some of those throws were pressure. And I don't mean like the pressure surrounding him as the pocket collapsed. I meant the pressure to prove that we are the team that everybody thinks we can be. Do you know what I mean? Like you were forcing the issue a little bit. Um, And that's okay. He's a young player. They're a young team. I think they just need to settle down and realize that you're not proving that over the course of one game anyway. So you don't have to try to be – a 70-point winning team in the first week. Just go out there, execute your offense, take what they give you. You've got playmakers. They'll make big plays. When you have an opportunity to make a big play, make it. I think they need to relax as a team. It looked a team to me yesterday like a bunch of guys who have heard all of this hype. They've read their clippings. They feel like it's us against the world, and they wanted to go out and prove it all on on day one, and it kind of blew up in their face.
0: I think, too, this is where I'm really curious, and this is where like whenever I try to evaluate quarterbacks, I actually like watching them struggle so I can see how they respond. And with this team all right, now's your test. Now's your gut. Like, what do you do now? Do you galvanize and come together as a team? And do you use this as to really say, hey, it's us against the world. Let's show everybody. And you use it as a turning point of the season, or is there infighting? Are there guys pointing fingers? I don't, I haven't seen any of that yet. Um, but what do they do with this adversity?
1: That's, that's my big question question. for this team. Baker Baker's, you know, Baker's press conference, the way he handled it, um, I had mixed emotions. I, I thought you could have been a little more humble in that spot and still say what you said. Right. Do you understand what I'm yeah. saying? If like, that makes well, sense? Well, he's not,
0: but he's not humble by I, nature.
1: No one's but, ever going to confuse We've always that talked. That. I know. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and so I guess you're being authentic and organic, and I, I have to applaud you for that. But you said this all the time, and, and I'll double down on it. If you're going to be that guy, and it doesn't work out for whatever reason, and you don't perform for whatever reason, you, you have to be. I hope your back you is be strong willing. enough because they're going to pile on. And like you, but here's the other
0: thing too: be willing to eat it. If you, like, be willing to take it on your correct. back when it's bad. Yes, be like I was awful. You know, like just come out and say it. I have to get better. That, right. uh, like Conor McGregor uh, from UFC, he's one of the most vocal dudes out there. Talks more smack than anybody. But if you watch him after he loses to a Nate Diaz or to a Habib, whoever, yeah. he, you know, Floyd Mayweather. He is humble after in defeat. He'll, right. he'll come and tell it like it is. You know, he, he's I give him a lot of credit for sure. that. And that's where I would say, Hey Browns, why don't you guys just take a slice of the humble pie, eat it, own it, and see where you go with it, or else you're gonna have other teams talking trash about you after the fact. Listen to what Delaney Walker had to say from the Titans after the game.
2: Front runners. That's so all I'm going to say front right. Was it
0: something you guys talked about at all?
2: Though? We didn't we did talk about that. We didn't even circle this game. We, 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 this is just another game. We ain't worried about it. I'm going to tell you again, man. They were who we thought they were. Y'all can crown them if you want to crown them. Still got to play football.
0: Oh, uh, do you remember when Freddie Kitchen said, remember he gave the com- press conference and he was like, bullseye. What's what are you guys bullseye? talking about? What's up? A- that is a bullseye. I know Delaney Walker is trying to say we didn't have it circled. They had it circled. They were going in there saying, oh, this is the team that got all the off season love without doing anything yet. We've been flying under the radar. Nobody ever talks about the Titans and they did have it. So like, he's that.
1: lying on that. Oh, one. you called that. You, yeah. you said that all offseason season about the Browns team, the way they've conducted business, Uh, whether you, whether you love, uh, Baker players or not you you've talked about the way they've represented themselves and the way other players in the league will view that and have targets on their back and it's it 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 appeared to be a very real thing yesterday
0: players are jealous n f l players are jealous they get jealous of money, they get jealous of attention, and that's where it kind of just incites the opponent. When you're the team that's been getting all the love, I saw a ton of Baker Mayfield commercials yesterday, sure. right? I mean, and good for him. Forget I'm well, not knocking. The Monday him. Night Football
1: spot had him like five times. They exactly. Weren't
0: and other players look at that, and I guarantee you, it doesn't. It's not an indictment on Baker's character or anything like that. They're like, hmm, all right, this guy's a rookie. All of a sudden, he's the, like, they yeah, did not no like doubt. that. No doubt. And they will try to make their own name against a player like that. I think that's what you saw happening. Um, by the way. If you're going to go out there and you're going to take the field and have that performance, I would suggest taking off the $350,000 watch <laughs> that you're wearing to do that, which is what Odell Beckham Jr. did in that game. Um, I'm assuming I hadn't even said this—the only watch brand had I know, to get was paid. that Richard Miele, to, uh that get... Richard Meal or whatever. It's a, it's a line. So here's—he obviously was given this watch, or you know, they, yeah. the brand wanted him to wear this in this spot. We were having a conversation about this in the break. I don't think there is a fine for the NFL. No? Because I've seen historic. remember Reggie Roby, the punter for the Dolphins forever? It's true. He would wear a watch. Other punters and kickers have worn watches because you're like, yeah, it doesn't matter for them. So I don't think there's any rule in the NFL that you can't there wear is, it.
1: There's probably—there's a rule about advertising, like wearing some sort of logo. Right. Something on you to advertise, but you're you might be right about if you're just basically wearing a watch— and it's a rec- it's so recognizable. And that guys everyone-
0: wear chains. We we saw yeah, no. um Taleb and sure. uh, what's his name go Crabtree. At it. Yeah, Michael yeah. Crabtree go at it. Remember he ripped the yep. chain off of him. So we've seen other guys do it. I just think it's an incredibly bad look, similar to Cam Newton's look after his game. When you lose, it just looks like you're worried about something else. What it is looks Cam? Like what was worried? Cam's look?
1: Well, I mean, but, like, what did that have to do? See it? One of them's (laughs) in-game, and one of them, what was he supposed to wear? I'm just talking about optics. Was he supposed to change Wait, wait, wait. wait. You're telling me that I came to the game in this outfit, yeah, right? Yeah. And because I lost, I can't wear the same damn outfit. I got to go get in some sweats. So here's what I do. No, here's what I did, because I had to do this a lot, because I had some really (laughs) nice threads. I had You can't wear nice threads if you lose.
0: No, but here's the thing you got to remember where fans' mindset is. This is where I was probably hypersensitive to it. I only had about a six-week window where I was the <laughs> starter to do this. But if I played bad, I was like, you know what? my The fan, my fans. Giants fans probably don't want to see me up there in a $3,000 suit looking all plush. So I would wait... I would go straight to the podium in my like, you know, I wanted to look like I was worn out and beat up. So I would wear my undershirt, have like the eye black all smudged all over me, look like I had been beat up and through a you know 12-round boxing match. And I would go out there and then I would go shower afterwards so I didn't have to see anybody and they didn't see me on there.
1: Uh, maybe that's why well, I, mean, I was it, worried about the wrong it, thing it, too. It, maybe, but that's interesting <laughs> though. Like, there—that is another way to approach. That was that.
0: super sensitive too, and I was—I was probably way too worried about what the fans thought. Right. But I, again, it's the toughest position in all of sports. Why wouldn't you do everything? To try to get everybody on your side,
1: and I, I what does his <laughs> outfit have anything to do with having did people you see on his, his side? outfit?
0: It's not his outfit. It, it, it you might be what he was wearing. But it might not be what. It might not be
1: what. Now that that's a conversation. Okay, but okay. just the fact that he, <laughs> like, right. he's wearing it, it uh, but I do like. He, it looks like he put more effort into his outfit than the playbook. Yeah, because it does look like something it was highly prepped for. All right, but and I like him. I hope he comes back. But it was not a good. Performance. The Odell Beckham Jr. Watch. Yeah. It would be concerning to me if I was in the building uh, in any executive role. It would. Uh, because you don't wear watches on the regular. Right. And you've worn this watch. It's black and orange. Someone's kind of put you up to it. I'm probably getting a payday for it. Um, uh, Where's your head at? Like, that would be a question that I would be having this morning. Like, if I was... You know, in the office, just going over what happened to us yesterday. I'd be like, "Man, I, is it valid?" And maybe I'd be asking the question as much as pointing the finger. Is it valid for me to have concerns about where Odell Beckham's head is right now? Does is the watch any indication of like, of 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 his what his priorities are? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. I don't know. And I don't know that's fair, but I'd be asking the question.
0: Well, see, that's where – and this is where I do think sometimes we overreact to little things. Does it really matter in the big scheme of things if you put on this watch and pregame? Like, does it pre- – I do think it I does. I do too. I do. But I think some people would say that's ridiculous. Like, who cares? What's that different than that in a wristband? Well, that's
1: personal but it's opinion. Me, but like- it's a
0: mindset. And this is where I think the Patriots – and they like, you have to hold them because they are the gold standard – Every player on there is going to do every little thing. Do your job. Do your job. But they're also not going to be worried about anything else except for winning. Right. And, like, if it's a wristband, yeah, it probably keeps you dry so that you can catch balls. If you're going to wear certain gloves, maybe they're flashy, but they also have the best feel. There's no advantage to wearing a watch except that it brings attention to you, which, again, it's a team sport, and you're bringing attention to yourself. It's probably not the biggest thing, but if I was a coach, I would want guys who were all in, sold out to just winning. I'm with that's it. But
1: here's the deal. Here's the. Let me play devil's advocate. Like custom cleats, flashy. Not Odell Beckham. Everybody now. Yeah, everybody. Flashy, painted by these guys. Like. Play the fifth and all those guys to shout out but the fifth, technically but, that, <laughs> but, but but no but you have to wear those anyway right like that's a piece of equipment that's going to be on your feet there's a purpose for them but you're going to get a lot of people if they they're going to give you a lot of other pieces of equipment that are flashy now right the point and the point i think you just made a second ago i'll double down on it is those are pieces of equipment that you would ordinarily wear that have just been spruced up yeah there's no reason to be to be wearing a watch on a football field
0: exactly Welcome back to Kinell and Bell on this Monday. Uh, fantasy football. I am not, I know it's a huge driver of our business. It's huge here at CBS Sports HQ. Love it from that perspective. Yeah. I have never gotten into it simply because this. I'm like too busy. Like I don't have yeah. time. Like I have one day that I get off. It's Sunday. I just want to relax. I don't want to have to be waking up worried about my lineup. What oh. I have to check it before the game. I love the draft parties. I just, for me, I don't have the time.
1: You all of a sudden are all in Dude, on fantasy football. This is taking over my house like a like the chicken pox, bro. Everybody is on fantasy football. My my mom, she's, she's got a squad. Seven. She's got a squad. My dad's 70 in a couple of weeks. He's sitting there on his phone. My Checking tw- stats. My 12-year-old was it ruined his day. He loves to fish on Sundays. It's his day off too. No yeah. sports. He loves to fish, be outside, hanging out. All he could do was stare at the TV and wonder why he didn't start Patrick Mahomes. He started Drew Brees (laughs) instead. Why wouldn't he He start Drew Brees instead? (laughs) And Drew Brees might go off tonight, right? But his day was ruined because Patrick Mahomes was playing great. It's his favorite quarterback. Like it's just (laughs) taking over the whole house. It is. But you
0: see why? I mean, it really. I said it's the greatest team game. Fans have totally turned it into fantasy rooting, like your yes. your own interest in your team, and you could see why when you see it firsthand like that. It's you're like okay, and I remember fantasy wasn't as big when I was playing, but towards the tail end of my career, it was started to become a thing. And fans after that's all they would talk about. It wasn't win or lose, like hey, you guys lost, but hey, you still got me two touchdowns. It's like a drug,
1: like, it is. Like I, you know what I mean, like. I I, I I don't do the drugs but like right. some people will do a drug and they're hooked on the drug Absolutely. i just said my seven-year-old was running up to me like dad who started for me a wide receiver dad who started for me i'm like bro I love
0: let me it. eat my pizza and chill man i love it um if you had lamar jackson yeah you'd be very happy you yeah, probably you would. would won uh your matchup uh in any fantasy league you had lamar jackson plays against the dolphins Lights them up. This, to me, was one of the most intriguing storylines of the NFL season was would Lamar Jackson take a next step as a passer? Because last year, all we did see was run. Like he, yes. They were conservative. They didn't trust him. And it was anything but that this year with him at the helm. Five touchdowns in there. 17 to 20, 324 yards passing. Uh, the perfect QB rating, Man. a 158. It was flawless. My question for you is, Do you look at it and say, well, it was the Dolphins? I know. That's tough. Because I'm like, I love it for Uh, Lamar. I've always been a Lamar backer. Even going to his Louisville, I was like, you know what? He can throw it with the best of them. You combine that with his electricity, with his legs, he's going to be really tough to stop. My concern from him was durability. He's not the thickest guy. But if he can play the game this way and he is that threat, he is going to be impossible to defend throughout the year. All right.
1: Um yeah, I think you have to you have to factor in that it was against the Dolphins. But let's say that he was just fractionally less efficient against a better team. Right. Still a pretty damn good day. Um I do think he's made strides. I think in terms of play calling, they're putting him in a really good spot with what they've created it within that offense. Um at the second year quarterbacks in the league, all of these celebrated dudes, you know, you know who's got the highest winning percentage? <laughs> Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. Like when does the narrative stop? When does it stop being? Can he do it? Right, and he's doing it. Right, like I, you know, I don't, I've
0: never understood that. I uh, do think last season, I thought it was an, I thought it was okay to ask that question, okay, because they called plays and it looked like they didn't trust him, right? Like they really didn't. They, okay. you could tell, but that's not abnormal. Any rookie, like typically, especially if you're in the playoff hunt, which right. they were you would say all right we're going to do whatever it takes to keep winning if they were knocked out of the playoffs like the browns or i know the browns were in the conversation late but they were in a spot where they're like hey let's let baker mayfield go out there and do his thing like if we lose okay who cares right. cuz we're just going to develop him i thought the ravens were saying all right we're going to sacrifice lamar jackson's development this season Ooh. to see if we can make a run and they did and they almost they didn't actually get to the where they wanted to go but still you know what I'm saying? Like, I thought, yes. and then this season they bring in Greg Roman, who was the offensive coordinator for Colin Kaepernick when they made a run to the Super Bowl. I think he's the perfect coordinator for Lamar Jackson because he will trust him. He'll put him in schemes that really do utilize the dual threat capability, but right. he also will trust him to throw the ball vertically down the field.
1: I am not ready to crown Lamar Jackson as the best quarterback in that class or anything. I, I'm just simply saying, like, you know, he's making strides. That's what every young quarterback does. They continue, hopefully, to get better. And as long as he's doing that and winning games, I don't know that we have to keep asking the question about whether that's for real or not. Yes, it's for real. Will he have bad games this year? Probably have some regression? Sure. But you would hope that you continue a trajectory of a guy and you see him making plays down the field, starting to learn how to you know, play the position, right? And, yeah. I, and the talent, you see the throw he made? He backpedaled for like 15 yards. He was off of his right foot, and he flipped it into the back of the like. How many how many dudes you know can make that throw?
0: Right, not many. It's Absurd. See, I always thought he was a really natural throw of the football. I I thought he was accurate. I thought there was. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, a lot of it was stereotypical stereotypes. People are saying because he's black. Yeah I, yeah. I don't know where he is, but if you watch film of him and you see him colorblind, you can see him make every throw that he has to make. I do think the reason I said and when we started this conversation was well, it is the dolphin. Yeah, they they're terrible. Well, that to me is a huge storyline in this game because we've seen teams be bad before. It looks like seven we, touchdowns, Davey. And, and not only that, but it looks like from the get go, I, I forget what the score was at halftime. Mark Ingram, the first touch to was three.
1: Mark Ingram's first touch of the game, he ran like, uh, what was it, like a 50 yard choke. I don't think we've ever seen
0: a team quit this early, is my point. Like, we've seen teams quit later in the season when they're 0 and 12. You know, like, but zero when you're 0 and 0, usually there's optimism. This Dolphins team looks like it has quit. And I think the management sent a message when they shipped away Laramie Tunsil, when they shipped away uh, Kenny Stills, when they made these decisions, I thought they sent a message, we are quitting, and the players heard that message loud and clear. So they're like, we have quit too.
1: There are two dudes right? that I said this weekend, and I said it privately, probably even shouldn't say it on air, but I thought got fired. There were two dudes. Yeah, One is Willie Taggart. Come on. No, listen to me, though. Right. I'm not saying that I'm lobbying for this. Right. I'm saying by the performance that their team has had and the pressure that that it, that is on, I, I thought that might have sealed the fate. And then I had to worry about Brian Flores. because, and, and I don't know that it's not fair. And I hope that the Dolphins give him the opportunity to withstand what they've put him in, right. which is we're not going to win. But you're going to gauge your season off of how – Invested, can he keep young guys into playing? Like, are they fighting? Are they playing hard? And when you're sitting here on a Monday morning saying a team has quit after week one, Danny, what is ownership going to do? Fire themselves? Right. You think the executives gonna fire themselves? Right. They're
0: not. But here's the thing where I and I, I we'll have to have we'll go deeper in the Willie Tiger not, conversation maybe yeah. tomorrow. Here's where Brian I'm just Flores is. That's I think, what I worried about. But here's where I think Brian Flores will be safe. I think that the team is tanking i think they are trying to purposely be bad why they put this roster together which isn't very good why they have ryan fitzpatrick and josh rosen as
1: their quarter i agree but, but what I, happened well, so what happened like
0: here, here would well be i my, think it's a one year here's the issue like when the sixers were bad yeah. did they make a change at head oh, coach and no because they had a plan i don't think they
1: should i hope the dolphins have a plan although right. i've never really know, seen right. the dolphins have right. a plan i worry about like the cardinals last year Like I I worry about that. I, I I don't think I think Brian Flores. If you brought me in here and you're gonna strip me of all this damn talent and you're gonna get rid of the only real players I got, you better give me a four or five year window to turn this thing around. Unless you go shopping with the hundred million you got next year and get me studs, right? But. Again, when heads have to roll, Danny, it's the nature of the beast. When heads have to roll, if someone's got an answer for that, they're going to find an answer for it. And it's generally not the the the, the executive who's really, really tight with the owner and they have the plan. It's usually the guy right below him. And who's that?
0: Yeah. skate's going. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch, see this thing, how it unfolds. Um, The other, uh, story from football this weekend was LSU, Texas. I got to go to the game. It was unbelievable atmosphere. Um, you know, the, the, I was, I was wondering because I had always heard Texas was like Michigan. It's more of a wine and cheese crowd. It's a lot of people, but they're not that loud. Although Texas is allowing beer, like alcohol sales in their stadium. I thought maybe that, whatever, maybe that was a big difference. The place was jammed. I sent you a video. Awesome. Like right there in the end zone behind that one. The takeaway from this game was LSU has an offense. And for me, the big question was for LSU, all right, you've talked a big game about this offense. You put up 55 points in week one. You might even put up a lot of points against Texas, but what will you do? This I must have said this 10 times last week. What will you do when you're up a touchdown in the fourth quarter? Will you stay aggressive? And they gave me that answer exactly because they were up six points in the fourth quarter with under four minutes to go. And what do they do? They come out on first down. They throw it incomplete. And I'm like, oh, man, like they're going to be too aggressive. Second down, they give up a sack. So then I'm thinking they are going to blow this by being too aggressive. Third down and 17, they stay aggressive. Instead of calling a draw, stay aggressive. Joe Burrow throws a touchdown pass that seals the victory. And I'm like, oh. This team has some swagger. They've got some confidence. They have an offense that we have not seen from this LSU squad in the last decade. And the team that needs to take note is the team who has been their nemesis. It's Alabama. Yeah. And now the only question I have, because I think it's like a process. First, it was week one. They showed me this new offense. You're like excited. Then you're like, all right, well, what do they do mentality? How do they do against a better team? Yep. Pass that test. Now the final test. What do you do against Bama? Yeah, and for me, I feel a lot better about them, but I still, in order to get over that hump, they've got to do it against the best team in their in their conference.
1: I'd have one more hurdle in there before Bama. It would be, can you do it like consistently? Yeah, going like, to be something that you could sustain week to week, and then can you get by Bama? This is another one like. I want to walk back what I said about Willie and and not walk it back. But I want to make it clear that I don't think they should be. I, it was just a feeling I got watching the way their games unfolded. Well, I worried about whether that was – You don't see my mentions on Florida it, State.
0: Like there are people calling for I know. Oh, so for, I
1: worry. for. I worry. Not that it would be fair to them or not. I just worried about that. And this is a feeling I have about LSU. And I know they haven't like lived up to that. I look at, at them – and, I, like, talent-wise and what they put in the NFL and some of the studs that go out there. And I, I've i always thought, like, if they could ever get that recipe right offensively, that they have the type of horses that could compete with the Alabama. There are very few teams that can do that. Like, Clemson can now. They've got yeah. apples for apples. But I always felt like LSU had some apples over there. They just couldn't get the, like, the formula right for the apple cider, you know? Right. Like, they seem to have it right. And I think, you know, like – I. They are the type of animal that could match up with Alabama or a Clemson if they can score the ball because they're going to defend. Like, look at what they, what they put out in the NFL, man. Yep. Louisiana is like talent rich.
0: Yep. You know? They absolutely are. All right. Fun game there. We're going to uh, take probably Tuesdays a lot more time to develop into college football. This will give you my top eight and some of the other storylines because it's a big weekend, but clearly that was the biggest win of the weekend LSU on the road versus Texas. Welcome back to Canel and Bell on this Monday as we finish the show. So Mike Scott plays for the Philadelphia 76ers, right? He's in Philly going to an Eagles game, right? Hey, you're going to go there opening week. I'm sure a lot of guys do. Yeah. Um, But they're playing against the Redskins, team that he likes to root for. So he goes there in a Redskins jersey before the game. He's out there walking through the tailgate scene and guess what happens
1: yeah i I could guess.
0: not only like a little trash talk i would totally be okay with that but it takes it to a next level so here he is at a tailgate going over you see some shoving a little bit of back and forth so you're like all right no big deal but then oh you see a haymaker thrown there's a couple dudes look like they're trying to hold him back it got ugly in a hurry yeah um had to be broken up this is one of the most ugly situations you could see. And if you are any professional athlete, my question for you would be, why on earth are you mixing it up? I don't even have a problem with you wearing a Redskins jersey. That one probably, yeah, if I was advising you, I'd say maybe not the best look. But if you want to, you better be on your alert. You yeah. better be willing to walk the other way. Yep. Because as much as we've talked about the dynamic in the locker room, like players are able to talk trash. They're able to like have fun, mess with people's, like – Emmett Smith says, Go yeah. Gators right at the end. Right. and I'm sure it would get much more animated if we were talking and it was just us. Fans take it way more seriously than players do. And they obviously didn't like him wearing that jersey. And all of a sudden it gets physical and you've got to be able to walk away from that situation.
1: Uh, you, you do, um, unless somebody swings at you first and then you're going to have to tighten him up. Now,
0: here's what <laughs> you can recognize that if you have
1: but like an you, awareness. And especially when you're in a town like Philly. Yes. Uh, and it's not even a knock on Philly. It's they're really passionate about their stuff. So, you know, if they're, if they boo Destiny Shaw because somebody had on a Kobe jersey or they're going to boo Santa for whatever, like they they are really passionate. And so you do have to have a little bit of, uh, a little bit of awareness about where you are, what you're doing, and, and what that could potentially, you know, turn into if, if it, if it goes sideways.
0: Do you think those fans knew it was Mike Absolutely. Scott of the Sixers? Absolutely. You do. Absolutely. And you think they were like, who cares if he's our sixer? Yeah. We're going to take him down. I, I would take it.
1: I'd take it a step further. There's some fans that have seen Mike Scott or somebody out there and be like, this is great. Perfect opportunity. Right. This is great. Because if I get in a fight with Mike Scott, this is any number of things could happen. Like right. go viral, which is great. Oh, which it I did. can sue, which is great. Like there are any number of things. So yeah. And even more of a reason why Mike Scott has to understand, don't be walking through the damn parking lot. At random tailgates, because it didn't look like his tailgate.
0: Right, exactly. You, know I mean? you think he would be able to afford a nicer tailgate than walking around that? In the words of Raja Bell, keep it keep moving. Keep it moving, like, baby. no matter what they're saying, because I'm sure they started trying him as soon as he walked in there. Maybe they even started saying you suck or whatever it was. Oh, all of that. Like, all of that stuff. Until you touch me. Turn the other way. Until, you, until, touch until you, you touch me. But he walked over and addressed them. You gotta have like Maybe they threw something at him. I,
1: mean, I don't know. Even if they
0: throw something at you, just keep it moving. Nah, I don't know about that. All of oh, now is keep it moving unless. Keep it moving like, so unless. Unless, yes. Oh, unless
1: you right. touch me or you hit me with something, and then I, we had the conversation. All right. I don't know. Keep it moving, Mike Scott. All <laughs> Mike, right. I just want to know did Mike lump him up? Like, can I see it? <laughs> I know, after right? I need to know. Apparently, he went and was just tweeting away like nothing happened during the game, <laughs> so
0: maybe nobody was hurt. All right. That's a wrap for us on Monday. We'll be back tomorrow. A little more college football tomorrow on the show.